0: You're listening to Criterion Channel Surfing, a podcast dedicated to the films of the Criterion Collection's streaming video service, The Criterion Channel. I'm your host, Josh Hornbeck. On this special, lighter episode of the podcast, I'm joined by friends of the show, Michael Hutchins and Robert Taylor, to discuss December's new releases and expiring titles. Stay with us as we start surfing The Criterion Channel. If you enjoy Criterion Channel Surfing, make sure to check out Good Times, Great Movies, hosted by Doug McCambridge and Jamie Lorello, a podcast about the best, but usually the worst, of 80s cinema. Every other Friday, Doug and Jamie discuss a film from the 80s. Some are films they haven't seen since they were kids and offer a contemporary perspective. Others are films they've never seen before, but probably should have. Do they hold up? Are they classics? Or would these films just be better off having been lost to time? Find out more at goodtimesgreatmovies.com CriterionCast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at criterioncast.com Welcome to a special uh, lighter episode of Criterion Channel Surfing. My guests today are friends of the show. You know them all. You know them well. We have Michael Hutchins, who listeners will recognize from our regular segments on the Criterion Channel stats and numbers. And we also have screenwriter and critic Robert Taylor from the Robert Taylor Odyssey Michael, Robert, thank you so much for coming on the show today and joining me and helping me do a single episode so that that way I can take a break this month. So <laughs> thanks for joining yeah. me.
1: Thank you, Josh. Good to be here. Hello. <laughs>
2: yes, I am excited to be here with you guys.
0: Awesome.
1: Let's just check in and see see how things are going. Michael, how how have you been doing lately? I've been doing well, you know, just a, a few Uh, medical issues here and there, but, but overall, you know, it doesn't mount to a hill of beans when it's compared to the rest of the world. So no, I'm doing great.
0: (laughs) That's great. That's great. Uh, Robert, how are you? And what, and what's going on in your neck of the woods? You're still not in LA, correct? (laughs) Uh, There are
2: still Trump signs up everywhere is how (laughs) things are going here. I attempted to have vegan sausage today and let me just tell you, if you've ever eaten like a slightly spicy rock, that's what it tasted <laughs> like. Um, I have been told by various people online that I'm just buying the wrong kind, so I suppose I could try a different kind. But no, never, never again. With three
0: exclamation points! That
2: that's about how I'm going.
0: <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's the I'm I'm sorry for the the bad experience with the vegan sausage.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I saw your photo. Uh, I saw your photo, Robert, and it looks like they are they are as rocks. bad uh, as fried, fried, fried rocks. yeah, <laughs>
2: it, it was alarming. I'm making peanut brittle later today, though. Hopefully it goes better.
0: Oh, right. <laughs> well, this episode is really good. we're going to be focusing on the new and expiring titles. Normally, you know, if you're going to take a month off, You can you can do that pretty well. But, you know, with this show, we're trying to get you information listeners about the new and expiring titles and give you guidance on what to watch and what to what to catch. So uh, we don't want to leave you out in the cold in this cold, cold December. So let's just dive into the the new and expiring titles. Robert, Michael, uh, when you look at the list of titles that have been announced by Criterion for this month and what has been added to the the list. And we'll go over the specifics here in a little bit, but Michael, let's start with you. What's your first kind of general impression of the list of titles that have come up?
1: I'm just overwhelmed by the variety of selections. I mean, you've got them from all over the world. From, I mean, from small independent films, short films, documentaries. It's just extraordinary that, just the breadth and range of these of these films that were being offered this month.
0: Yeah, it's kind of staggering. Uh, yeah, Robert, what is your first impression on this this list?
2: Yeah, overwhelming is a good word for it. I tend to be genre agnostic, so I like a little bit of everything. So this is like setting off all of my alarm bells where I'm like, I might have put like 60 movies into my queue, and I'll probably get through like 20 of them and then feel like I have let down the world. But (laughs) I love how we can go from 3 by Barbara Streisand to Afrofuturism. Spoiler alert, these things are things that Josh is going to say in a few minutes, but the diversity here
0: is truly astonishing great great job <laughs> yeah yeah it's an incredible bit you know every every time i go over the list by the time i get to the end i keep getting surprised by each new bundle you know even though i've entered all this information into our document even though i have gone over this time and time again i keep forgetting about the bundles that are there i keep going oh wait there's this too and there's this I forgot that there was this – they're including so much content each month that I have long since given up on trying to keep up with it because there's no way to for me anyway, um, just with life. And I just have to bask in the the knowledge that there's just good stuff here, and I'll be able to watch what I can and – Just know that we have this wealth of content that I can go to at any time and know that I'm going to get good stuff all the time there. Mm
2: -hmm. It was so difficult to come up with just a few ones that we were that I was excited to catch and ones that I really wanted to recommend. I had like legitimately 10 that I was bouncing between.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's, a, it's an incredible bounty here, yeah. Well, let me uh, dive in here. I'm going to take uh, practice my deep breathing here and get ready to uh, <laughs> dive into the marathon. We have short films by Julie Dash with Four Women, Diary of an African Nun, Illusions, Praise House, Standing at the Scratch Line, and it also features an interview program, The Cinematic Jazz of Julie Dash. We have Three by Terence Malick with Badlands, Days of Heaven, and The New World. We have The Best of Mae West with She Done Him Wrong, I'm No Angel, Bell of the 90s, Go Into Town, Klondike Annie, Go West, Young Man, Every Day's a Holiday, and My Little Chickadee. Three by Barbara Streisand with Yentl, The Prince of Tides, and The Mirror Has Two Faces. Documentaries by Alan Berliner with The Family Album, Intimate Stranger, Nobody's Business, and The Sweetest Sound. We have films by Marie Lozier with the features The Ballad of Genesis and Lady J, Cassandro the Exotico, and the shorts The Passion of Joan of Arc, The Touch Retouched, Bird Bath and Beyond, Electrocute Your Stars, Eat My Makeup, and a whole lot of other shorts there. We have three by Rick Alverson with New Jerusalem, The Comedy and Entertainment, we have Afrofuturism, with features Space is the Place, Born in Flames, The Brother from Another Planet, Ornette, Made in America, Yelene, Welcome to the Terror Drome, The Last Angel of History, An Oversimplification of Her Beauty, White Out, Black In," Crumbs, Once There Was Brasilia, and Supamoto, and then it has a lot of shorts as well. We have two documentaries with The People United and Black and Blue. We have directed by Margaret Von Trotta with The Lost Honor of Katharina Bloom, Marianne and Julianne, Rosa Luxemburg, Vision from the Life of Hildegard von Bingen, and Hannah Ardent. We have Cary Grant comedies with I'm No Angel, She Done Him Wrong, The Awful Truth. Holiday, My Favorite Wife, The Bachelor, and The Bobby Soxer, Mr. Blanding's Builds His Dream House, Indiscreet, Operation Pettigoat, The Grass Is Greener, That Touch of Mink, and Father Goose. We have films by Camille Billups and James Hatch, with the features Finding Krista, The KKK Boutique Ain't Just Rednecks, A String of Pearls, and the shorts Suzanne Suzanne, Older Women, and Love, and Take Your Bags. We have the streaming premiere of Sorry, We Missed You. The sh- original short documentary, Uncovering the Naked City. We have a lot of individual titles that aren't connected with any bundles. We have La Fleur, Dawson City, Frozen Time, Now Voyager, Quadrophenia, and Les Sagnets. We have the Criterion Collection editions of The Awful Truth, Paris is Burning, and The Phantom Carriage. We have From the Archives with Bad Day at Black Rock. We have Saturday Matinee of National Velvet, The Railway Children, 20 Million Miles to Earth, and City Lights. We have the double features of My Sex Life or How I Got into an Argument and My Golden Days, Days of Heaven and the Reflecting Skin, Bell Book and Candle and I Married a Witch, and Kronos and Black Christmas. We have the short plus feature of The Extraordinary Life of Rocky and Harold and Maude, Mutts and White God, Santa, The Fascist Years, and The Silent Partner, A Christmas Inventory and A Christmas Tale, and Snow Cannon and the Clouds of Sils Maria. We have uh, Art House America, The Doris Duke, with features Moakea, Temple Under Siege, Out of State, August at Akiko's, and shorts The Sand Island, Stones, Like a Mighty Wave, and a couple of other shorts in there as well. We have another Observations of Film Art with the Telling Details in Hunger. 30 Years of the Film Foundation, we have new titles added to that bundle with The Mystery of the Wax Museum, The Lusty Men, Night of the Hunter, and Paths of Glory. And we have a new title added to the Frame of Mind Psychiatry on Screen bundle uh, with House of
1: Games. I'm yeah, patting it's... down your brow right now. Uh, thank I know you. I every can.
2: time he finishes, I feel like I need to like give him a standing ovation. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a, I mean, it's just a, it's a huge list. I had forgotten, you know. Again, I always forget about things. I had forgotten about the Camille Billups and James Hatch bundle, which just looked really, really fascinating to me as I was uh, doing my my prep work for this filmmakers that I don't know much about. But as I was doing research, their films just sound Really fantastic. So, yeah, I'm I'm just blown away by everything that's in there and can't wait to, to dive in. Let's dive in and see how, how we help people navigate this because, again, I think there's so much there. Michael, what's the first title that you're really excited to catch out of this, this grouping here?
1: I want to see the streaming premiere of Ken Loach's latest film and possibly his last film, mm-hmm. Sorry We Missed You. It's just it sounds fascinating. I don't know much about it, and that's why I try to keep myself away from knowing a lot about films. But I've always I've always loved his other films, and from my understanding, um, he has publicly said that that this may be his final film. Mm-hmm. And um, it centers around the two thousand eight financial crisis, and of course, most of his films have to do with the working class in Britain. And so that's the biggest one I'm looking forward to. And there are a few others, but I'll I'll let Robert go on with with his first one.
0: Well, and and I will say that, sorry we missed you, that's one that I've been really eager to catch since yep. uh, I've been hearing about it at the festivals, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah. mine is one of the ones in 30 Years of Film Foundation, which is a fantastic set. I love just diving in because there's so many different genres, so many different filmmakers in there, but the one that caught my eye is specifically Mystery of the Wax Museum, which of course is a Michael Curtiz film from the 1930s, it was sort of iconically one of the most... Uh, it was lost for decades and was one of the most in-demand titles when it was finally found. It was in terrible shape. It was created in two-strip Technicolor. And mm. people who did not understand what two-strip Technicolor was previously restore it. So it just looked like a crappy colored title with Crayolas, essentially. And what the Film Foundation has done is truly uh, restored it back to its original beautiful red and green negatives. I've never seen it before. I'm so excited to Mm. dive in and catch it as it was meant to be seen. It's only, I think, an hour and four minutes. Mm. So... I am very excited. I will probably be doing that later tonight after I finish my peanut brittle and then throw away all the
0: vegan sausage. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and now I'm excited too. Not yeah. for the sausage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that sounds really fascinating. Does, I love yeah. two strip technicolor films. I find the the process really fascinating and the the effect can be really, really eerie and haunting. I know in the silent Phantom of the Opera it's really, really just gorgeous in the one in the masquerade sequence. And um, yeah, this sounds really, really fascinating.
2: Yeah. And then one other, I'm sorry to keep blathering on about this, but I am legit excited to see it. But um, the cast, it's Lionel Atwell. It's Faye Ray, i.e., you know, from uh, King Kong. And then we have Glenda Farrell and apparently her character here was so popular that they created the torchy blaine character which is a series of you know b budgeted films for her based on this character so i'm very mm. still again super excited can't wait josh have you sufficiently recovered and like had a gallon of water are you ready to <laughs> uh are you ready to dive in with a couple I, of sentences i think
0: so <laughs> you know i i am really intrigued by the julie dash short films you know uh, daughters of the dust is such a monumental work and to be able to really dig into her short work you know this is to me one of the the great things about the criterion channel is getting these collections of a filmmaker's short films and being able to contextualize early work or work that is harder to find and so to me this is this is just those those, these are those gems that the channel has to offer that you know on another streaming service might get buried because short films are just they're they're not going to pop up in an algorithm very easily or might get buried because they're part of a a special like series collection or something. Uh, but the fact that Criterion is just elevating these and really throwing these out as, as such a highlighted bundle is to me really exciting and just gets me really eager to dig into more of her work. Michael, what's, what's the next thing you're excited to catch on the the channel?
1: Well, some of you know that I'm a big fan of science fiction, so of course uh, that doesn't really? that no. doesn't ne- <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean that I like science fiction film. You know, science fiction literature, science fiction film, two different, you know, cats and dogs. Okay, but yeah. this this new bundle of Afrofuturism sounds fascinating. I've seen about half of the features and none of the short films, but uh, the ones I have saw, uh, Lizzie Borden's Born in Flames, of course, that's been on the channel for a while. And I saw Brother from Another Planet uh, back in the '80s, and uh, I wasn't as impressed with it as I think I'm going to be when I see it in this context. And I think that's that's something that that Criterion in their curation, what they do, they 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 put it in with other films, and so you can actually see them uh, within within a context of other films. But um, I've also saw the Ornette made in America documentary, and I'm not sure what that is doing in a duck in a bundle about Afrofuturism except maybe it's the the uh, kind of futuristic sounds that's made by Ornette Coleman. You know, who knows? And then Yelene, uh, the the African film, uh, fascinating magical realism, wonderful film. But the two I want to see in that bundle is Space is a Place, and that was a 1974 film, you know, even before the term Afrofuturism was ever thought of. And it was uh, starring and written by Sun Ra. And uh, he was kind of like a uh, experimental cosmic jazz musician back in the 60s and 70s. And uh, this is a film that I've never even heard of, never knew that he was that he actually was involved in filmmaking at all. And then I also want to see um, I'm gonna watch Brother from Another Planet again, just just to, you know to get a, get another look at it. So what do you think? What do you think, Robert?
2: I did not pick the Afrofuturism <laughs> okay. bundle specifically because I saw that you did. Um, (laughs) That said, I am still very, very excited. Um, Mine is, I feel like a bad member of the LGBT community, because I have never seen Yentl. I cannot wait. I truly know nothing about it, aside from the cross-dressing and the Papa Can You Hear Me. So, excited to see what Streisand has to offer. Super excited to dive in. Are you guys
1: fans? I saw it back when it first came out, and I enjoyed it. But then again, it's like a a film after so many years kind of just fades away, and that didn't stick out for me. But I will watch it again, you know?
0: Yeah, you know, I haven't seen Yentel. Barbara Streisand is a, a performer who has been growing on me lately, especially watching her earlier work, just seeing what she has brought to so many of her earlier roles and things like what's up doc and some of the earlier earlier stuff that she was in i've been really really impressed by just the impeccable comic timing that she brings to things and so you know this is one that i think is is one that i need to see Uh, i'm a fan of musicals Uh, you know i was a i was a theater kid so you know, musicals have a soft spot in my heart and uh, Yentel is one that I've been meaning to catch but I missed it during the last run on the channel so I, I do need to need to catch it before it leaves again.
2: Uh, viewing party? Maybe. <laughs> I will be texting you later. Um, right. So awesome.
0: what are you excited to see, Josh? I always love it when they bring back Laserdisc content. You know, I'm I'm slowly collecting the Criterion Laserdiscs now that I'm spine complete, and uh, I've been doing it more slowly lately than I I had been. But Bad Day at Black Rock is one that uh, I have not yet collected, and one that I have not yet seen. And I love I love me some crime thrillers, love me some noir, and you know, uh, it's it's. Anytime they throw up that from the archives label on it, uh, it's one that I know I'm going to dig into. I'm going to dig into the supplements. I'm going to dig into the entire the entire package. Uh, so this is one that I am very eager to catch. It's also, you know I'll talk about it in a little bit as well, but it's also going to be leaving at the end of the month. Um, so this is a very limited engagement. So uh, this is one that I think that everyone should should definitely catch as well as one that I'm very excited to look at. This, the supplements on this are going to be extremely limited, and this is going to be the only time to really catch all of this this content that Criterion created back when they were just starting to to create their supplements for films like this.
1: And we're going to get a commentary on this, yeah. and that's unusual. Uh, one that was created back in the '91, I think, John Sturges, the director, Recorded specifically for Criterion, so that's going to be fascinating. Yeah,
2: I I coincidentally, like actually coincidentally, just published a film noir odyssey article on Bad Day at Black Rock. I think it's a masterpiece. I mm-hmm. love it so much, and it's one of those movies where it's so simply told that there's no place to hide. Any mistake will seem like a huge glaring mistake because, again, it's very simple. And it makes none of the mistakes that one would assume would happen here. The other thing that just from a screenwriting perspective, this is the lightest of spoilers, Josh. I don't think you will be mad at me yeah. for saying this.
0: I don't care about spoilers, so okay.
2: It's, fine. it's it's one of the only films that I have seen that very boldly does not spell out any of the motivations of any characters for probably the first thirty to forty minutes of the film. Mm. Everyone shows up, everyone is acting mysterious, and you don't know why. And yet, because it's Spencer Tracy, you actually give a shit about his character. But usually, you know why the hero is doing what he's doing. Not so here. And it's bold, and it weirdly works. It shouldn't
0: work, but it does. That's great. I'm, you know, I'm excited for this one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Michael, what are you going to recommend people check out out of this month's bundles? I mean... I know that I know that uh, we could recommend a whole lot, but right. <laughs> if you're going to pick uh, just a couple, what's the first one that you want to recommend?
1: Okay, the first one is a monster. Let me just put it that way. It's a 14- hour film, and if that doesn't drive enough people away, let me tell you again, it's six episodes. Each episode is so wildly different. It's just a, a monument of a film, and it's called La Flor. It's from Argentina. came out a couple of years ago from Mariano Genus. And Criterion is showing it in four parts, so it's divided up pretty evenly in three and a half hour sections, uh, which I believe resembles the way it was presented in the theater. Now that makes sense when you're when you're going to catch it in a theater to divide it that way. But one of the episodes is split in half, and so I'm gonna have to recommend if you're going to watch it after you watch episode after you watch part two of the Criterion presentation, continue on from there and watch. The the beginning of part three, because that will continue that episode as it was originally presented by the director to be seen as a whole. And it's a six hour film. So let set that, that part of that, of the movie is it's, it's self contained. And it's six hours. And the thing about it is um, you've got this, this troop of actors, four women, uh, they call themselves Pierre de Lava. And uh, it's just extraordinary. they there it's a theater group, and so I'm not sure how much experience they have making films, but I believe it took uh, about ten years to film this movie. And uh, it just it just has such a wide variety. I mean, if you don't like horror, then h- hang around. You got a science fiction conspiracy musical next. you know <laughs> then you you know it's almost like uh, Jacques Rivette meets Eric Romer meets Pedro Almodovar. put it that way. And then you got a spy thriller, you've got a you know a silent remake of a film that's in the Criterion collection. I won't say which one, I don't want to spoil everything. And then you've got this fascinating finale, the last episode. It's just mesmerizing. Uh, almost, you know, if it reminds you of the Westerns by Kelly Reichardt. And um, and then when you've got the director coming on, you know, at the beginning of the film, explaining to you what you're gonna see for the next 14 hours. That's that's telling you something right there. So I don't want to give away too much, but yeah, watch it.
0: Wow.
2: Yeah. Okay. I literally
0: just <laughs> added it to my queue. <laughs> All
1: right.
0: Yeah. I uh, I watched this during my at home film festival in May, and it is monumental. It is exquisite. I I cannot uh, echo your recommendation uh, highly enough, Michael. It is one of the great works of cinema in the last few years.
1: Yeah, take it in doses if you have to. I know I'm not going to recommend that you sit down and watch 14 hours at a time. But yeah, just watch it in the four ways, the four parts that Criterion is presenting it. And uh, you'll thank me later. And you will too, Robert.
2: But like, how am I supposed to follow that up? (laughs) so mine is let's see how long it is mine is a cool 93 minutes Uh, Mr. Blanding's Builds His Dream House is an RKO film from 1948 it's part of the Cary Grant bundle I could have very easily just recommended the Cary Grant bundle but I haven't seen them all I love this movie I love it with three exclamation points underlined and in all caps I think it's One of the most brilliantly written comedies I have ever had the opportunity to watch. The screenplay is by Melvin Frank and uh, Norman Panama. And cinematography is by James Wong Howe, who is, of course, usually considered the greatest cinematographer of all time. It's just about Cary Grant and Myrna Loy trying to build a house. That's it. (laughs) They just want to build this house and everything that can go wrong does go wrong. And when it finally gets built, that's not the end of the problems. It's just a beautiful, beautiful movie. And I have seen a lot of comedies and probably one of my top five moments ever in comedy is a simple scene where Myrna Loy just says what color paint she wants in each room of her house. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Have you boys seen it?
1: Oh, yes. I'm smiling from ear to ear if you could see me right now, but it's a, it's a <laughs> great film. It's just one of those films that's just full of joy. and I mean, it's it's funny. You've got you know romance. you know you got uh, <laughs> you've got the heartaches of, of building your dream house and quotations. It's it's a wonderful film. and I, I second your recommendation,
2: yeah. Uh, and Uh, I also have to say the way that it treats an African-American character, I was fully expecting to cringe and the way that they pay off this one little small subplot. I have to say, I was very surprised by the fact that I didn't want to die at the end of it. So (laughs) kudos
0: for that. (laughs) Uh, This one I have not seen, but there's so many titles in that Cary Grant bundle and you know, uh, when I was working, you know, post college at the the old Blockbuster video store, uh, and would see some of the I think there was a Cary Grant collection that we had as we were making the transition from VHS to DVD, and had a bunch of those early DVD sets out. There's a Cary Grant collection that. Had some really bad covers for Cary Grant films that a lot of these titles were in. So you know, so as I was reading off those names, some of those films just kind of made me cringe, you know, a little bit. And uh, it's nice to get some some guidance into which of those films to maybe uh, dive into first. And so Mister Blandings uh, will definitely be uh, high up on my list to catch.
1: <laughs> yes, and we're going to get some more added to the bundle in January.
0: Yeah. yeah. And yeah. drum
1: roll, please, we're going to get Bringing Up Baby.
0: Yeah. I'm Hopefully,
1: excited.
2: we will also finally be getting it on Blu ray as well from Criterion. Exactly. <laughs> <hand-sacked guys. laughs> yes. Anyway, um, go ahead, yeah. Josh.
0: <laughs> uh, there are a couple of films within the Afrofuturism bundle that I really like. You know, I really do like Brother from Another Planet. Uh, I think it's a pretty incredible work there. But I am going to single out Supamoto. Uh, which is a Kenyan film by uh, Lakairian Wainana. This is a really, really just remarkable film. I saw it at the Seattle International Film Festival uh, a few years ago, and it's been a long road for it to actually get some good distribution. It's one that I have kept uh, my eye on because it's one that I want to keep recommending to people you know when you see a film at a film festival the Seattle International Film Festival has something like 400 films that play uh, over the yes. the month long festival and many of them don't have distribution when they play and so you never know whether a film that you see is going to get out more widely once it's once it's been sh- uh, screened there and so there are a couple of films that I've seen there that I keep kind of my eye on just to try to see if they're going to make the round stateside and this is one of those ones that i've just kind of kept my eye on it's beautiful it's heartbreaking it's uh i could keep, go on and on but um just watch it this is one that you could watch with your kids if you have kids as well take the leap into Supermoto, please i have added it to my queue michael what else are you going to recommend people catch
1: I recommend Bill Morrison's documentary, Dawson City, Frozen Time. It came out a few years ago, and I first saw it on Filmstruck. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm so happy that it's now back on the Criterion channel. It was uh, an extraordinary piece of work. It's about uh, a finding up in Alaska. If if anyone knows the history of film uh, and distribution back in the early days of silent films, they know that when the film is distributed, it goes on certain travels, you know, the, the actual copy of the film gets sent to the next theater. Well, they always wind up in at the last smaller town, smallest town. And of course, this happens to be a, a little town in Alaska called Dawson City. And so what do you do with the films? You know, you can't ship them back to the U.S. So they wind up in, in sinkholes and they wind up all different places. And the documentary is about the finding and the recovery of these films that were once thought lost. And what what Marson does, and, and what he does in his pre, like what he does in his previous films, where he takes these films where are that are decayed, that are rotting, that are very poor sheep, but he presents them as they are. And and at first you're you're kind of thrown off, you know, so well, what what am I watching? And then within a few minutes, you're just mesmerized by what you're seeing. You're seeing things that I'm sure the filmmaker never expected you to see because you have these areas of the film that's that's starting to decay and it actually creeps into the motion or the actions of the film. And it's just the, just a position of those images are just enough to create a whole new, Mm. a whole new image in your head. So yeah, I I recommend that documentary, Bill Morrison's Dawson city frozen time.
2: It seems perfect to watch something about Alaska, just as we're getting our first snowfall in most of the country.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've really enjoyed the Bill Morrison stuff that I've seen. It's, really hypnotic and uh, this is one that's been on my list to see for a long time so I'm glad it's back on the channel.
1: What have you got Forrest us Robert? I have
2: Night of the Hunter oh, which yes. I feel like is one of those movies that everyone watches when they're younger and then sort of is like oh yes it's a masterpiece and then don't watch for 40 years <laughs> however it's waiting for you to rediscover it rewatch it it's sitting there it's all it's as alive as it was the first time you saw it it's as ostensibly perfect as it was when you first saw it. And it's beautifully, beautifully restored. It looks amazing. The performances are pitch perfect. It's Charles Lawton's only movie, of course. And boy, did he leave everything on the field when he when he made that. It's mm-hmm. It's a masterpiece. And even though it's one of those masterpieces that I think most people is universally considered a masterpiece don't just sort of let it get cobwebs on it as you know that as some films are wanting to do rediscover it rewatch it it's worth it
1: yeah yes. it's not it's not the moby dick of films you know you don't have to you you need to watch it yes yeah, it's, it's an amazing film I, and i'm going to admit right now that when I first saw it, I think I was probably a teenager, and I just just—I didn't get it. I didn't understand the style of acting. I didn't understand the cinematography. I didn't understand the story. You know? and, and so you know, in the years since then, I've seen it maybe five times, and every time I just find something great about it. So, yeah, maybe it's not as good as when you first watched it. In my case, it wasn't. It's amazingly better than you when I first watched it. <laughs> and it's not the film that's changed. It's me that's changed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do love this film. I think it's just magnificent. I've seen it maybe four or five times and it is, uh, it just, it Like you said, Michael, it gets better. Uh, I think it gets richer every time.
2: So in other words, check it out guys. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Josh, what do you got?
0: Yeah. My final film is, Olivier Assayas' is the clouds of Sils Maria uh, it's part of a shorts and feature bundle uh, Olivia Assayas is one of those filmmakers that just continues to grow on me and you know I've seen I had been seeing his films before I really knew who he was as a filmmaker and now that I have begun to really dive into his work, I really am just continuing to appreciate what he does and how he uh, how he approaches the the stories that he he tries to tell and uh clouds of Sils maria was just a really just hypnotic mysterious film for me and the fact that it was also all centered on not just an artist's exploration of their craft but a female artist's exploration of their craft that was just there's something really rich about this this film and the the ways in which that was explored it took that seriously so few films take women artists seriously it's often framed as kind of background to their romantic dramas or their family dramas or other things and the fact that this takes that very seriously is also incredibly powerful juliet binoche uh, kristen stewart are really magnificent performers in this as well it's a really really rich film that i think um i know that it's not up everyone's alley but it's one that really really worked for me and uh, it's one that i do think that is is one that people should definitely catch
2: never seen it
1: adding to the queue All
0: right, (laughs) your cue is just continuing to grow, Robert. (laughs) It is, it is.
1: No, I, I, I've seen the movie, and I, uh, I can concur with what Josh is saying here. Uh, But I would, I would see Juliette Binoche in anything. You know, I would see her in everything. So, so yes, says I would, I would also recommend it.
0: Yeah. Well. You know, I, I think that, you know, it's nice to have an extra guest on. I normally only have one guest on as we're doing this. So, listeners, you are getting an extra dose of recommendations here for your your viewing pleasure this month. And, you know, we have a lot of new titles. But, you know, as I say every month, Criterion Gives and Criterion the Away. So we are losing what feels like an awful lot of titles. As I was going over this, it it feels like more titles than we normally would uh, lose at this time. So here's what we've got. We are losing this month. Just as soon as we get it, we're losing the awful truth. No we're losing bad day at black rock. Just as soon as we're getting it. Uh, we are losing from the 30 years of the film foundation bundle, the bigamist from frame of mind, psychiatry on screen. We're losing dress to kill. From 70s horror, we're losing the tenant, invasion of the body snatchers, the vampire lovers, theater of blood, don't look now, let's scare Jessica to death. From Queer Sighted, Queer Fear, we're losing The Haunting. We're losing most of the starring Joan Crawford bundle. We are losing The Unknown, Our Dancing Daughters, Our Modern Maidens, Possessed from 31, Dancing Lady sadie mckee love on the run mannequin the last of mrs cheney the women strange cargo above suspicion humoresque possessed from 47 harriet craig the damn don't cry queen bee autumn leaves and straight jacket and it looks like sudden fear will remain on the channel but uh, i always whenever this happens i always recommend people not uh sit on those titles from the New Korean Cinema Bundle, we're losing Barking Dogs Never Bite and Mother. From Watching the Polls, we're losing The Best Man. From Scores by Ryuchi Sakamoto, we're losing The Handmaid's Tale, Love is the Devil, Study for a Portrait of Francis Bacon, Tony Takitani, Women Without Men, and Ryuchi Sakamoto Kodo. We're losing from Documentaries by the Ross Brothers, Chupitulus. Yeah. Contemporary color, and it looks like Western is going to remain on the channel. From the marriage stories bundle, we're losing five by two. We're losing the entire directed by Sarah Driver bundle with You Are Not I, Sleepwalk, When Pigs Fly, and The Bowery. From the Directed by Adam McGoyan bundle, we're losing Next of Kin, Family Viewing, and Speaking Parts. We're losing a lot of Criterion Collection editions this month with the Elephant Man. Trouble in Paradise, Videodrome, Cat People, and the Devil's Backbone. We're losing Saturday Matinees of the Yearling, Buck Privates, The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, The Illusionist, and Miss Annie Rooney. And we're losing a lot of individual titles that were either part of double features or they were their own separate releases that weren't associated with bundles. We're losing The Smiling Lieutenant, which I think also just appeared this month as well. We're losing Caché, 12 O'Clock Boys, Infinite Football, California Typewriter, Nostalgia for the Light, My 20th Century, The Big Combo, and Attenberg. So yeah, we're losing, you know, a lot. it's a it's a big chunk of films that are uh are leaving this month, Michael. I know that you have watched everything, so i'm gonna you know open it up for you to recommend a few extra things for people to catch because you are our completionist guru here
1: uh, how. How? Uh, <laughs> how? I I can't explain it Robert. I don't I don't know how I can do it, you know, but you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So so uh so Michael, what would be something what would be the first thing that you would recommend people catch out of this list if they haven't seen it yet?
1: Well, I think they would need to go to the more smaller independent films one that we know that aren't readily available elsewhere. Some of the smaller films, and especially by women, now, I, I'm, and those are going to be two of my big ones I'm going to recommend later on. But uh, let's see. I'm looking at this list now. I mean, the, the John Crawford bundle was so much fun, you know, and I, I I was just surprised by just the range of her films, you know, and, and uh, starting from her early silent films all the way into, you know, something like Straightjacket, which mm-hmm. really surprised me how well it was made. Mm-hmm. I know it was made by... William Castle—he's supposed to be like a slot master, but my goodness, his film's compared to someone like—I won't say his name—you know, <laughs> you know, the person that you know—I'll give his initials H.L. Okay, but uh, uh, I mean, this was a mass This is a masterpiece. It's almost like when Hitchcock made Psycho, he was copying Wh- William Castle, and then William Castle doubled up and made Straightjacket, Jacket, which is mm. up there with Psycho. I'll put it that way.
2: Wow. So, which perfectly segs into mine because yeah. I am desperately trying to get through this bundle before before it goes away. I'm through like two thirds of it, but I still have. I need to see Humoresque. I need to see Autumn Leaves. I need to see Straightjacket now. Thank you very much, Michael. <laughs> um, the ones that I've seen have been mostly excellent. I did not like Harriet Craig at all. That seemed to be like. Whereas most of her other movies were avoiding the, you know, two-dimensional "quote unquote" bitch caricature, Harriet Craig was like, "Okay, well, we're just going to do yeah (laughs) yeah, every single cliche possible, all in ninety minutes." Mm. But there's so much wonderful stuff here, and I need to get through it before it goes away. Otherwise, again, I will feel like I have not done my due diligence as a human being and a fan of film. So yeah. hopefully it'll be done by the end of the month, and if not, it'll drive me into a deep depression that not even Peanut
0: Brittle can fix. <laughs> what yeah. about you, Josh? <laughs> well, you know, the, the first one that's really stood out to me is one that I've been trying to catch for a while, and it showed up on... Criterion channel and I just have forgotten that it was there. It is uh, Cornelio uh Infinite Football. I have enjoyed the Romanian filmmaker's other films like Police Adjective. Uh, there's this kind of wry bitter humor in everything that he does and this is one that I've been really curious about. It's going away soon and, you know, it's, it's one that I would like to try to get to before it leaves. So I'm hopefully going to be able to catch that before the, uh, before the end of the month. Michael, what else do you, uh, before we get into your, the two recommendations that you put on our, our show notes, what else are you going to highlight for us?
1: I'm going to recommend those those documentaries by the Ross brothers, because Mm. uh, I just saw their uh, most recent documentary last night, but uh, Chupatulas and, and contemporary color. I just like the style and how they approach the, the world of, that they, you know, it's almost like they're ethnographers. Is that a word? You know, it's like yeah. they, they almost like say, like less blank how he approaches film. And mm. so uh, it, I would consider them probably the modern less blank filmmakers.
0: They're, they're interesting filmmakers that I've been really curious about. Um, and Empty Noses, Bloody Pockets is one that has been really, really intriguing to me. And I've heard really great things about. So their early stuff seems really, really compelling too.
2: I can't add anything else to my queue, guys. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm gonna lose it.
0: <laughs> Robert, what are you? What else are you really excited to catch?
2: Well, I haven't seen Dress to Kill since I was way too young to watch Dress to Kill. <laughs> in fact, I remember very specifically the movie begins with a woman dreaming of being assaulted in the shower, and as I was, I think I saw it when I was probably ten or eleven, and. I just remember watching it at night and being like, I really hope my mom doesn't walk out of her bedroom right now. (laughs) So I remember essentially nothing of it aside from the scene in the museum. So I'm very curious to rewatch and see if it is as good as other. I'm a big Brian De Palma fan, so I am curious to see if it holds up and is awesome. Also, I Randomly, have listened to the score, even though I haven't seen the movie. And the score by Ah uh, Pino Danzio, ten out of ten, love it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. You'll. Know, I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on *Dressed to Kill*. I think it's his stuff is so interesting, and you know, he was he was making things at at such a different time. And I feel like I know that you're those... saying interesting and not good, Josh. Well, no <laughs> i i I think there's I think it's compelling, but I also think that that his work can be incredibly problematic at the same time.
1: (laughs) The sexual (laughs) politics in this film in particular uh, needs to be thought of, you know, in a different light, let's say.
0: Yeah. And I think that it's, it's just, it's, I'll be really curious to hear your thoughts when you do watch it, because I think that it's, um, uh, it'll be interesting to just hear how, how it, uh, (laughs) how it, how it reads to you. Um, So what you're saying is I'm going to be very mad for me. I (laughs) I, I think it's, I think it's possible. Um, But, but uh, yeah, when, when you watch it, I will be curious to hear your thoughts.
2: (laughs) Uh, You Uh, might hear me screaming all the way from Ohio. I
0: will, I will be listening for that echo in the air. (laughs) Now, Josh, Uh, I almost picked what you picked. So I'm uh, very curious to hear your thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. I really do love the films of Adam O'Guian. I find even the ones that don't work as well, I find them incredibly compelling. I think that he is a filmmaker who is really just, I think that he is just masterful in his the way he tries to tell these stories, whether they're more suspenseful, whether they are more dramatic in structure. I was first introduced, like a lot of, Uh, Americans were to his work uh, through The Sweet Hereafter, and that still stands as to me one of the high watermarks in adaptation, Um, having read the novel by Russell Banks and seeing how he took something that was so layered and so um, just well-structured as a piece of literature and how he really chose to 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 shift that narrative and shift the perspective a little bit for film, it was really uh, just a, a beautiful film that I found so moving and so uh, incredible. and And so i i I am really eager to to dig into more and more of his work. I'm glad we have some of his films in the permanent collection now. Uh, like The Sweet Hereafter and like his uh, previous film Exotica. But, you know, there are many of his films that are going to be leaving this month. So uh, I'd like to dig in a little bit more to his work. And, I'm uh, halfway
2: through Next of Kin. I thought yeah. it was, I fell asleep during it, not because it was boring, but because I was very tired and yeah. stuff happens when it's 11 p.m. But yes. um, <laughs> I
0: thought that the first half
2: was great. I really, really enjoyed it. So I'm curious to watch the other three, two that are leaving.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I like him. I think he's, I think he's interesting. So I'll, I'll continue to, to dig into his stuff. Even if I don't get to him now, I will be continuing to seek out his work uh, pretty regularly. Yeah. All right, Michael, we're getting into your real, real recommendations. The top of your recommendations (laughs) list. Uh, What are your, what are you really recommending here?
1: The first one is uh, a film by Sarah Driver from 1993, I believe, uh, called When Pigs Fly. You you might think it's a typical 90s independent film. You may be familiar with Sarah Driver as an actress. She was in some of the early films by Jim Jarmusch, and I guess uh, through his connections, she started making films. And then uh, she got the you know the great Robbie Mueller to film this. Uh, and, of course, he worked on a lot of Vim Vender films and, J- and Jarmish films. But uh, it's just a wonderful love story. It's a ghost story. It has touches of magic realism. Great performance by Alfred Molina uh, a, as playing a, 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 a drunken jazz musician. Aren't all jazz musicians drunks? I don't know. I'm not <laughs> saying that, no. And a performance by Marianne Faithful. And, and honestly, I was halfway through the film before I was, I was looking at her and I said, that is Marianne Faithful, and she's amazing. You know, mm. she you know the British pop singer from the '60s. And it's a film about revenge, but there's a there's a touch of melancholy about it that I'm not sure you know that that a man could bring to it. I can imagine Jim Jarmusch making this film, but there's something about just the there's touches of it. You know, I'm not saying it's a feminist movie, but uh, there's just some things about it that uh, a, a female director brought to it. So I highly recommend When Pigs Fly.
2: That's great. You had me a drunken
0: jazz musician. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Robert, what do you have for us that you'd uh, recommend people catch? Okay.
2: When people ask me, what is the most bananas movie I've ever seen in my entire life? I pick the unknown, which is this Todd Browning, Lon Chaney, Joan Crawford movie (laughs) from 1927 if you will indulge me for 30 seconds, let me just tell you what it's about. It's about a serial killer who pretends he has no arms and is currently in a circus and he tosses knives with his feet. So he claims to be <laughs> armless. throw He's a knife thrower with his feet, but a serial killer at night and no one notices because, you know, they assume he has no arms. He then meets Joan Crawford, who appears to have a fetish for men with no arms. So he gets his arms cut off um, for her, (laughs) at which point she then meets the circus strongman and falls in love with him. And then I'm going to stop talking about the plot, but like that's minute 20. Um, And it goes, if you think that's cray, you just wait, you just wait it's for me even better than Browning's masterpiece freaks and it's truly like I there are no words to describe how bananas this movie is like I don't know why more people don't know about it I don't know how this is not like midnight screenings every Halloween <laughs> um but it's just it's truly and I pardon my French but it is just fucked up in all the right ways um so it's leaving at the end of the month it's i it's less than an hour i think it's like 50 or 60 minutes at the most make time for it but just be prepared yeah. It's weird. <laughs>
1: oh, you you forget you forget, uh, Robert. The uh, horses on treadmills.
2: <laughs> oh, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, there are horses on treadmills at a certain point uh, near the climax. It's just, it's a lot.
0: <laughs> that does that does sound like a lot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, oh. and by a lot, I mean essential filmmaking.
0: <laughs> wow! Wow! Uh, well, I, I'm going to go with something a little uh, on the the sweeter side of the the spectrum, and this is part of the Saturday Matinee bundle, and this is The Illusionist. I I found this film to be absolutely charming when it was originally released in theaters, and it is uh, an animated film that is based on an unproduced uh, Jacques Tati film. And uh, so it is kind of a a loose Monsieur Hulot character. The animation definitely would lead one to believe that this character was meant to be played by Jacques Tati. And it's about the friendship that is formed between this older illusionist who is not very good and a young child and uh, it's a beautiful film that I think is is really lovely it doesn't have much dialogue in it and uh, I think this is a a great film for the entire family during this uh, this holiday season so yeah this is one that I think people should definitely catch and check out
1: Okay, I added another one to yeah. the queue. <laughs> yeah, I, I recommend it as well. It, it, it made me fall in love with Edinburgh. You know, I I never knew that that city was in the middle of the mountains. Mm-hmm. And a, an animated film that just so sets, I mean, has such a great setting. Yeah. And, and makes you be a part of it. You know, it's just, it's just extraordinary. The, 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 way that, the way it's uh, drawn and the way it's directed. And, of course, the characters in the story. Yeah, loved it.
0: Yeah, it's pretty great. Michael, what's the, uh, your next recommendation here?
1: My next one is another female film director. Uh, her name is Shirin Ashat. She's Iranian, and this film was made in 2009, and it's titled Women Without Men. Mm. It's in the Ryuchi Sakamoto bundle. He did the score. And uh, it's a drama set in 1953, which some people may remember in Iran. That was whenever uh, the CIA helped to overthrow the Shah of Iran and, and install their own I guess puppet government. It mainly focuses on the story of four women and how each of their lives are affected within this certain time period. And there's connections between them and eventually uh, they all it all comes together. but uh, it, it has beautiful imagery. Uh, the story is told from a, almost like a, a magical realism. And some mm. and and it's just right next to uh, films. I mean, moments of of realism. So it, it's just uh, extraordinary film, and I, I pr- recommend that people catch it before it leaves the channel at the end of this month.
0: Yeah, it sounds lovely.
2: I picked uh, the Invasion of the Body Snatchers, nineteen seventy eight. I believe it was made remake. Uh, Philip Kaufman, of course, directed it. It's a great movie, but I am also recommending it sort of as a warning. Because it's almost impossible to stream elsewhere. Uh, You can currently get it on Showtime, but previously I had been trying to stream it with friends for quite some time and unable to find it. We were going to do a watch-along because what better movie to watch during quarantine than a movie (laughs) about an outbreak? So, uh, in this case, an outbreak of aliens, but still... And we could not find it, so see it while you can, because God knows the MGM rights might be dash. It might dash your hopes of finding it. Other than this, it's great. Watch it. You've been warned. Josh, what about you?
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna close out my recommendations with a film by uh, Ida Lupino. It is the Bigamist. This isn't my favorite film from Lupino, but it was the first film of hers that I had seen. And uh, again, this is one that I saw at the Seattle Film Festival. I saw it two years ago, uh, the last of the film festivals that they held uh, in person. And uh, they were doing a a double feature of her films. They did this in The Hitchhiker. The Hitchhiker is this really great, taut thriller. And this is this really intriguing melodrama that you know, in the hands of a male director would become more overwrought and would become, I think, more focused on the the man. And while this is, you know, his story, I think that this provides so much great nuance for all the characters it does a really great job of giving arcs for all three of the char- the main characters who are involved here it humanizes everyone involved and uh it's a really really intriguing and really it has some really rich character work in it um for something that could have just been a sensational B movie and I think Lupino is just she's this really really incredible director that uh, I am glad that we're getting more and more of her work out as uh, and getting that uh, onto disc and getting that pushed more to the forefront and having her taken more seriously as an auteur by critics and by by the film going public so i'm I'm glad that people are rediscovering her work and this is a really, really fantastic film that people should should look at
2: I yeah. agree um, yeah. I'm a little bit more ambivalent than you are about her prowess as a director. Um, Mm -hmm. I really dislike outrage and I don't like hitchhiker as much as you do. However, I do like the bigamist quite a bit. I echo your recommendation of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, it almost makes you weak to think about uh, what we lost whenever women weren't able to direct during the payday of the, the Hollywood studio system. It's just, uh, Amazing that that we all the voices that we never heard. So, yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah. I was looking back last night on my list of films I watched in, in 2020, and um, almost a quarter of them were by women. So, I, I always make a mm-hmm. special effort to find women directed films. And so, that's 250 films I've seen this year. Of course, a lot of them are shorts, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's just that I, you know, I, I just hope the listener just goes out there and, you know, and, and seeks out films by other voices.
2: Yeah. The keynote set of uh mostly silent informative ones which they're currently airing on uh
0: TCM is a great set that's highly yeah. rec- highly recommended. <laughs> yeah. And and I do think that, you know, again, you know like you were saying Michael, you know, and and I think I've seen you you post this in the the different Facebook groups as well that sometimes it does it takes some real effort to go yes. out and be intentional about seeking out voices of underrepresented filmmakers whether that is uh black filmmakers female filmmakers lgbtq filmmakers uh you know it's it's key you know to have to make uh, an effort yeah yeah i think that that it is it is an important part of um, expanding our horizons especially when so much of the work that we that is being Promoted by studios is fairly white, male, straight centered, and Mm -hmm. uh, if we if we want to see that change, we need to go out and support the voices that are uh, more diverse out there. So,
2: yeah, exactly, and also put a spotlight on the ones that do exist. Like you were saying earlier, Josh. Like if we're thinking about we we were talking about women, but like why in Heaven's name is birth of a nation considered such a major masterpiece. And no one has seen within our gates. Like how is that still a thing? Why is that not the, our entrance into that type of cinema, that type of silent cinema? It's infuriating.
0: Yeah. 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 I think, you know, one of the things that I, I really have appreciated about what Criterion's trying to do here. One of the things that I appreciate about the people that, uh, that have come on our show is this this real move towards trying to to promote the work of uh uh female filmmakers and uh black filmmakers and uh other voices in the room uh because i think you know we we all benefit when we hear other perspectives and other voices
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly.
0: thanks yeah well thank you friends for joining me for this today Those are the Criterion Channel's new and expiring titles for the month of December. We made it through.
2: (laughs) We did it.
0: Uh, Well, this is the only episode we're going to be releasing this month. So I did want to get a recommendation from each of you on something that is not on the Criterion Channel that you think that our listeners should check out before the end of the year. So, uh, Michael, what would you recommend?
1: Uh, Let's start with the film that just was uploaded to HBO Max. It is Spike Lee's film of David Byrne's American Utopia. Mm. And it's an extraordinary work. Uh, Maybe not cinematically, but I'm talking about as as a concert film. You know,
2: Mm. there's,
1: you know, David Byrne is the star of two, the two best concert films ever made. Let's put it that way. Mm. Because I only saw it last night and I swear within the, and uh, the first half hour, I was on the verge of tears, because yeah. it was just so beautifully uh, uh, the, the the story he's telling. You know uh, how he presents his older songs. About half of the half of the songs he performs in the concert are from um, from the Talking Heads era, but uh, but the rest are from his other solo songs. But he puts them all into a new context, and you, and you're you're looking at his whole forty year career and uh, the way it's staged. Uh, I think. W- what you take away from it is is just uh, one man's view of, of what America could be and what it's become, but also the hope of what it can be in the mm. future. So it, it's it's a wonderful work, and I highly recommend it.
0: This is one that I'm really eager to catch. Uh, this is one that ever since seen some of the numbers from the show performed uh, on various... Uh, late night shows it's just been incredible to see how he has recontextualized his his songs yes and uh when i heard that spike lee was going to be shooting this uh i I think spike lee has been doing some just incredible work in shooting live shows Mm -hmm. and uh this just sounds really incredible yeah i also cannot wait to see it yeah Robert, what do you recommend people catch?
2: Um, I'm gonna go light and frothy. I love the movie currently streaming on Hulu called Run, Mm. starring Sarah Paulson. It's a great Hitchcockian thriller about a uh, young girl who realizes a a young girl in a wheelchair who has like five or six different health uh, ailments who realizes that her mother is essentially it's Munchausen's by proxy Mm. and she Needs to Escape. It's directed by Anish uh, Chaganti and he also directed Searching, uh which is mm. also an excellent excellent thriller. I loved every minute of it. It's very short. I think it's less than 90 minutes. But if you're in the mood for a great Hitchcockian thriller with some fantastic set pieces, some fun music and two great female performances, it comes highly recommended. Oh, that's Uh, great. What about you, Josh? (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, I am going to recommend uh, Steve McQueen's Small Axe Anthology of Films. This is streaming on Amazon Prime. It starts with the (laughs) film Mangrove, which premiered a few weeks ago. Moves on to Lover's Rock, which premiered last week. And then uh, this week, the film that premiered was Red, White, and Blue. And the last two films will be premiering over the next two weeks. This is a series of films that explores the West Indian community that is in London's Notting Hill area. And uh, it is just absolutely riveting. I'm a fan of Steve McQueen's work, anyway. I've really enjoyed uh, most of what he has done as a filmmaker, and uh, I think that he is a just he manages to capture just a real visual poetry in all of his work. And these films find this really intriguing balance of exploring the the racism and the the struggle of the black community in london during the 60s 70s and 80s while also finding the vibrancy and joy so that the films never become just kind of the the type of poverty or uh, kind of injustice narratives where you're only focusing on the trials and tribulations of a community, but that you also see the vibrancy in life and joys and connections. It's, it's such a powerful set of films that I know people are kind of separating them out and really highlighting one over another. But I honestly feel like they really do build on each other and really do um, tell this comprehensive paint this comprehensive portrait of a community's experience and while you can look at each of these pieces separately the building power for me has just been incredible i think that mangrove which is the story of uh, the mangrove nine who were on trial for starting a riot uh, when they were protesting police brutality i think the thing that really Uh, struck me when i was watching that was how much we need more depictions of police not as the heroes in our media but we need more depictions of the police as the perpetrators of violence on these communities of color and it just it strikes me how much this uh this series is is doing to show the ways in which racism has impacted this community while never um while never letting that be the sole focus. So it's gorgeous. Um, i I can't wait for the next two chapters, but I'm glad I have yeah. these this time to to let them digest. If this was not during a pandemic time, I can see myself going to the theater each week to see these. Um, this really is great cinema, even though it's being billed as a series on uh, on Amazon.
2: Right. I've only seen the uh, the Mangrove episode. Yeah and malachi kirby gives such Mm -hmm. an incredible performance in that it's it's one for the ages yeah and uh the movie itself i think is great Mm -hmm. but it is worth the price of of admission simply to see kirby like wipe the floor with like it's incredible yeah 10 out of 10 fully
0: agree (laughs) and you know the the lovers' rock, which is the second the second chapter, has this just incredible ten minute sequence that captures to me what it is to fall in love, uh, the way time slows down, the way every moment just feels like it stretches to an eternity in those moments when you're with someone, and, and it feels like time stand still uh it's just you know it it's it's something that cin- only cinema can do and i continue to be impressed by what uh is happening uh there Ah, uh, red, white, and blue is the one that people are responding to the least, but I think that there's something so quiet and so restrained about this one that I'm still pondering and still reflecting on. It doesn't have the the emotional fireworks of Mangrove and it doesn't have the the lived in vibe that you get with Lovers' Rock, but there's something so powerful about the the quiet resignation of of the of what's going on and that that. Yeah, again, I can't wait for the next two chapters. Right.
1: Really? Well, they were on my list, and so now I bumped them up even more. So thank yeah. you, thank you, Josh. Yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, Michael, Robert, thank you both so much for joining me today. It has just been such a pleasure to uh, have you join me and to uh, to have this conversation and to uh, just hang out with you for a couple hours yeah, yeah. at Same the start here. of my vacation. So thank you for <laughs> joining me. <laughs> it's always a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, yes. And, and yes. happy
1: staycation.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, Michael, where can people find you
1: online? I am on Letterboxd. You can find all of my list on there and also on uh, a couple of the major Facebook groups, including Criterion Now and the Criterion Channel Channel Club. Uh, And you can also find me reading Robert's blog. There you <laughs> That's go. Great. That's a great lead-in, right? <laughs> That's a great
0: lead-in.
2: Robert, where can we find you online? <laughs> the blog is called the Robert Taylor Odyssey. Yeah. Uh, check it out. It's on WordPress. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, you can also find me on the social medias, probably being cranky about something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you both so much for joining me. This was cool. It's any yeah. time. You can find Criterion Channel Surfing at Criterioncast.com on our website cinemacocktail.com and you can subscribe on apple podcasts stitcher spotify or wherever you get your podcasts you can also find the show on twitter instagram and facebook by searching for criterion channel surfing if you'd like to continue the conversation join us in the criterion channel club facebook group or send us a message at criterion channel surfing at gmail.com you can find me on twitter instagram and letterboxd at josh hornbeck our logo was designed by Doug McCambridge of the Good Times Great Movies podcast. You can see more of his design work at dpmdesigns.com. Criterion Channel Surfing is a proud member of CriterionCast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com and support the work of CriterionCast at patreon.com CriterionCast. Criterion Channel Surfing is listener supported, so please consider donating to the show at patreon.com slash josh hornbeck. For just $5 a month, you get early and unedited access to all regular and bonus episodes of the show, and for $10 a month, you have the chance to give my guest and I a film to discuss in a special Patreon only bonus episode. I'd like to continue to thank all of our regular Patreon supporters. Your support really does mean so much. On the next episode of Criterion Channel Surfing, my guest and I will sit down to discuss January's new and expiring titles. I hope you'll join us. Thanks for listening. Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com.